0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Tulsa World Opinion Podcast for the week, and I'm Jenny Graham, the Editorial's Editor.
1: I'm Bobby Sett, Editorial Writer and Columnist.
0: And we're just going to jump right in. I mean, you know, it's heavy topics, but Oklahoma, this morning, I heard us on all the national news, Oklahoma became the state with the strictest abortion laws that... it a law that's being sent to Governor Stitt would ban abortion at fertilization, if I recall. Is that right, Bob?
1: That's correct, So Born fertilization.
0: That means like everything. Like you don't even know you're pregnant and now you're banned from doing anything. So I, uh, I've i gotten a lot of people who are upset about it because I I think that there's this has been sort of, you know, obviously the culture war issue of 50 years, but I just don't know if lawmakers have thought through the effects of this. I mean, it sounds good. It makes for a great reelection campaign in this state. It's very red, but when you think about that, what it really means, um, I'm not sure that they have. And, and I, I know that I've got some ideas and I've done some research of things I want to write about in the future. Because this does put us back and this is more than just a soundbite. And one of the things that was brought up and it has been, and I, you wrote a good piece for this weekend that, uh, you know, I've been telling people to read. Um, it has to do with the idea of the pro-life movement only being pro-life through birth. That we, they, There's okay. not a big movement for things that come afterwards because that's the hard part of Yes. Of being a parent and, and, you know, living. So you address that. And, and tell us, tell a little bit about what, what you're writing about this weekend.
1: So um, last Sunday, uh, the governor went on Fox News Sunday to just talk about, you know, whatever is going on. And obviously the biggest issue of the day uh, was the running up to that episode was the, the leak of the Supreme Court draft on uh, on Roe and how it looks like they're going to overturn it and the interviewer which you know Fox is friendly ground for for the governor and for other Republicans and and whatnot any kind of conservatives but the interviewer was, was pretty straight up and everything about asking the kinds of questions about, well, hey, we've got this going on. What about this? You know, What about people that are, you know, become pregnant through something like rape or incest? What about what happens to these people who may not be ready for motherhood financially, emotionally, whatever, after they are, have to give birth here and things like that? And just to sum it up, um, the governor's answers basically illustrated what you were talking about with the pro life movement. This is a very singular movement stop abortion, no more abortion, you know, and, and it's become more absolutist as the years have gone by leading up to now. We can see that through our legislation. But the the thing that's always the thing that's being brought up that has mostly been cast off by folks in the pro life movement is what happens afterwards what are you going to do how are our children faring in oklahoma and some of these other states where uh, abortion is being made illegal and <clears throat> you know it sounds like all we get is a lot of words
0: we don't to be very blunt and clear Oklahoma's children are not faring well. No, they, we are 42nd nationally in well-being, and well-being includes everything from access to healthcare. We have the highest instances of what they call adverse childhood reactions among our youth; that they experience more things, whether you know they add up: you know, divorce, parent in prison, abuse, neglect, hunger, poverty we track high in all these. Mm-hmm. We have a, a foster care system that's under, you know, we had went to court for, for many years under a class yeah. action lawsuit that they're now, you know, working through trying to improve the foster care. And that's after they've been taken out of their homes. So when you yeah. talk about foster care, that's after the abuse and neglect and parents have lost their rights. So we have, and I think somewhere between 7,500 to 9,500. I mean, it fluctuates, yeah. but- I mean, at least 7,500 kids right now are in foster care, many of them needing homes. And I'll be honest that some have trauma, and that means mental health care. And we have a mental health care crisis in our youth. We have healthy minds that just a few months ago called our youth suicide uh, rate right now an epidemic. My high school, where my kids go, the principal told us that there was an 80% increase the suicide ideation being seen in their schools and that means kid comes to school and they have to call copes and other people in because a kid is that much in crisis. so yeah so if we talk about just abortion and not all these other things then that's that does nothing.
1: It's very I mean, incomplete yeah it's, it's not you're not thinking through the the whole issue here because these are
0: the effects of what we're doing, and of course, you know the, the other argument is, oh, so just kill the kid. That's not what we're saying. No. And there, and there are disagreements on when viability happens. I don't think it happens at fertilization. I mean, to be very honest about it, for me, again, board has not spoken about this as an issue, but but to recognize that there are not differences of opinion there, and to find common ground there, because we we this is swinging. So the pendulum on this is swinging so far in our state that I just don't think, again, the middle's being ignored to try to come up with some common sense things and not just an ideological, I'm gonna get reelected and, right. and ignore the consequences of this because the people who may be having kids are going to be ones who may be poor and they're, and they've been victims of abuse. I mean, there are no exceptions for rape or incest. So,
1: I mean, they may be 13 or 14 years old.
0: They yes, and we do have kids that young getting pregnant. So, yeah. so yeah. So, I so I think you point out in this column that that basically there is a weakness in that argument that pro life movement has put forth, which is you know what happens They're, afterwards.
1: Yeah, their only answer. Uh, commonly anyway is adoption and, and that's, I mean, we
0: have adoption available and it's not
1: and that's, that's really, yeah i mean there's pl- there's a lot yeah, of kids the yeah there's a lot of kids in foster care right now yeah. and if people are just dead set on having you know a baby baby and they want to go through an adoption agency that ain't easy and it is not cheap
0: yeah access so you to have a lot of people and-
1: yeah, there's there's some people that might be willing to actually step up in that kind of a situation, but if you're telling them it's 25 grand, no, that's not happening. That's not one of those things you put on installment or something like that. You don't have a baby mortgage, they want that money. And that's a that's the that's this is the yeah, thing I, that troubles me about it. As yeah. if you take this from The the typical pro-life person's standpoint, this is something they need to think about because this very much goes into the overall ethic of we care about children, we care about babies. Stuff happens after they leave the maternity ward. Life goes on.
0: That's where it gets what are we
1: and now what?
0: And the programs have to go beyond just we're going to keep that we'll help the mom and baby for six months or a year. Cause yeah. there are some programs out there that they'll do that. Yeah. What happens five years later, 10 years later, because some of these issues they linger. I mean, you go into, you know, some of these, you know, the delinquency court and they, these are children who have been born into situations that were pretty dire. Um, and now they're acting out, you know, we have, I, there was a judge who one time said we have a lot of sympathy for the kid who's abused, and neglected, but then we lose sympathy for that kid five years later when they're you know delinquent and acting out and have behavior issues and they're teenagers, and then we want to lock them up. So yeah. you know this is a whole continuum of, of a life that you have to think about that um, that that we're not addressing in this state. So if you're going to talk about pro life, let's also talk about these social supports, which also includes, by the way, investing in public education, it which we've discussed quite a bit on this on yes, our show. Here.
1: Yeah.
0: Yes. Um, you know, one of the interesting um, things that happened in the legislature this week, it surprised me that the legislature basically took power away from Governor Stitt to distribute ARPA funds. And, you know, the history of, of that was that, you know, the early ARPA funds were distributed by Governor Stitt. Legislature got upset that they were largely left out of that. And there were some problems with some of that, those ARPA funds. Like, I think that was where we bought PPE that never arrived and hydroclodropine, whatever that is, that we didn't need. And so they came up with this joint committee that with working groups that would take applications, vet them, have public hearings, go through this whole process. And then they would make recommendations to the governor who could then, you know, approve it or not. And something like and that happened last year so since last year last summer there been that whole process in the legislative side the joint committee approved 160 million dollars worth of projects yeah. and that's everything from you know nursing shortage to you know health health in, it's all over the place anyway governor Stitts only approved two of those projects and so they're frustrated they're either frustrated by the the lack of movement, which that's what they're saying on the record, which is we want to be on track, we want to get this going, we want to get money to people, or they're worried about where the money's going to go when they're out of session. Yep. Maybe both. But the legislature, with two-thirds majority, said they were going to be in, in special session, and then they moved all the ARPA funds, but about half a million dollars, into a special account, and the process will work similar to a regular appropriation. You know, they go, you know, you have a Senate bill or a House bill that moves that through and they are still using the joint committee for the vetting process. So, um, I mean, it was surprising, uh, but of course, not unusual. The Republicans sort of dancing around the reasons why they made such a bold move, because it is, you know, they're all in the same party. Now, the Democrats are coming out swinging, but that's to be expected. That's politics. But you know, you read through that. I mean, I'm going to throw it to you. I mean, I was kind of surprised that that sort of move was made.
1: I think, at the best, and just it it echoes a little bit about what you said. At best, what this means is that the the legislature, legislative leaders, are concerned about the ability of the governor's office to carry this project through and that's at best at worst they're afraid of oh my gosh we're going to have another hydroxychloroquine ppe from the sky swadley's half a million dollars going for tvs and gaming centers and stuff like that you know at worst they're thinking there's some you know I'm not gonna i'm trying
0: well that was the emily virgin, to, I mean, emily virgin the minority leader yeah sort of alluded to that i mean she brought up that you know we I'm had trying I mean, to choose my words carefully was,
1: because i don't want to sound too judgmental but at worst right. it sounds like maybe they just don't know what they're doing and that's kind of what the the democratic leaders are saying in the legislature is you know these guys don't have a clue so we need to do this um Either way, it's not a good look. Um, now, on the bright side, it is good that someone's finally doing something. I mean, you're talking about almost two billion dollars worth of stuff that that we can use to improve our state. It's just not being hardly anything's been done with it. So we need to get we need to get moving on that. I think the legislature sees that. Um, how or what is? I am really interested what is being said within the republican caucus behind closed doors as to why they decided to do this and do it now everyone's interested. this is a sensitive time to do this if you think about it because i mean is, we're right
0: and during an election year that's what surprised me that yeah it shows a rift or disagreement at a minimum tension maybe um, among yeah. the republican leadership during a time of a re-election campaign yeah, the
1: primaries are just a few weeks away and the general is just a few months away and you know the last thing you're looking for is bad headlines, especially when it comes to how you're dealing with taxpayer funds. Um, I, I will say, as that, if we've had enough of those lately.
0: Yeah, well, the, the process, and, and I was gonna say for me, it seems to be a, a good process, though there is some uh, fight on the front end. The legislature is not letting w- go or letting people know what all the projects are, because there were something like 1,400 projects who applied, or that applied for funding, and yeah. it was for something like 17, you know, some ridiculous money, um, and some journalists and some, you know, watchdog groups wanted to see what those were, particularly from the health department, because the health department has been a hot mess for the last yeah. couple of years. You know, we've gone through, what, three or four, pet, we have a pandemic center that never really got the ground, and so there are people wanting to see if some of that money is being asked for the pandemic center. And for other things, health department and the legislature has denied those records. So there's a little bit of a fight on that end, which I would say, open it up. Let us know who's wanting what. But once it gets into that process, though, the fact that we do have a lot of eyes on it and we are having, you know, public hearings similar to, um, you know, process, although our budgeting process in the state is still pretty secret, (laughs) but it's a little better. I mean, I think anytime we have openness and more eyes on something, the better because, some of those big ticket items that Emily Virgin mentioned that we've written about, um, it's because we didn't have enough people involved. I mean, you know, the the, yeah. the school supply thing where we had to give back three million dollars, now we're under federal investigation because of the way that was distributed. I mean, that was under the governor's gear program that Ryan Walters was overseeing. So. You know, maybe if we had had more of a committee involved in that, it would have prevented it. So, you know, in the end, this is important work. It's a lot of money and it has a potential to make a big impact. The governor's official statement said he just wanted to see projects that were generational and not pet projects. I would agree with that. You know, they need to, ha- we don't need, like I say, the the, the pet projects, you know, satisfied ego. And like, kind of move forward. So, and
1: we don't need a bridge to nowhere just to make exactly, a contractor happy. Exactly.
0: We need some mental health counselors. We need nurses. We need people in the healthcare system and the education system. The pandemic sort of devastated those areas. So, so well, we let's just sort of shore that up.
1: And we've got at least one area of success with that kind of money with what they're wanting to do with uh, broadband access.
0: That's true. That's and that was in there. So, uh, so now this morning. Yeah. I saw the legislature approve the first, since they made this move, the first thing they approved was for nursing for nurses. So 21 yeah. colleges and tech centers and universities are getting money to expand their nursing programs, which is exactly the kind of thing we're doing. So if we can kind of move along in that, we'll be all right. But what's not all right, baby formula. No, no. Everyone's but you know mad in, about the baby. It, formula. I can tell you having had two kids and one that needed specialized formula. I, I can, it's bad. But, and you took the lead on this because you got into the trade issue. Whenever we have something like this, you want to place blame. It's Biden's fault. It's, you know, Trump's fault. It's, you know, who knows? But it's not, it's never one answer, is it? I mean, it's, it's no, always it's some sort of blend of things. I thought your take on it was interesting and you sort of led that <clears throat> editorial for us. Um, explain the trade the, the trade aspect of this, of what, um, sure. what happened.
1: Our trade policies right now concerning that particular industry are very much set up to favor domestic manufacturers. So what that means, what that looks like is, <clears throat> especially under the new trade agreement that replaced NAFTA, the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, um, there are some prohibitive hurdles for exporters to enter our market to, to go through. I mean, there's a 17.5% tariff on baby formula product imports. In addition to that, and this, this, was, this was a wild one, and I, don't, I, don't, I can't really convey this really well in writing, but I'm gonna put this out there. Canada, our Northern neighbor, which can send us baby formula by truck or train at any given notice. The hurdle they have to go through to be able to to do this without getting a giant surcharge, the equivalent of about three bucks a kilogram or something like that, which is basically like a, would be a good sized jar of formula is they, they cannot exceed a certain threshold of all of their exports globally. And if they do that, boom, up goes the surcharge. So that basically, between that, our health standards, uh, product safety standards and stuff like that has made it to where something like 2% of all of our baby formula that is sold in this country is foreign. So 98% is made here in the United States. And one of the companies who makes up 43% of the baby formula market had a place their their factory in Michigan had to get shut down because they had some problems. Some kids oh, were getting problem. sick. Two so kids died. Die. Yes. And, and when they and when they inspect the place, they're seeing multiple places where it's not safe. There are contamination issues, they're finding bacteria. And it takes time to do that. Couple that with all of the supply chain issues that we're having that are still being Messed around by all this post-pandemic stuff, and there you have it—you've got empty shelves in some place. Throw in a little bit of panic buying in certain markets, and it makes. I, I kind of wonder if there
0: is that because if there's already a shortage, and you go in and they've got a new shipment in, you're going to be tempted to buy a lot, a lot. So I'm sure stores are putting you know, limits, but still, there is that, and it, it really shows the delicate system we have. It that is. I mean that that needed to be shut down. I mean you have. No, yeah. you know, but two deaths, you know, it needed to it be shut down. But, and there's, of course, you know, there's, you know, quarterbacking. Well, they should have had plans for this or done this. You know, you could always go back and say, what if?
1: But well, the immediate need is you had to shut it down.
0: Right. I mean, it's, it, but even then it's like, okay, well, how fast can you make these other changes to, to make up that difference? I, you know. And it takes time. Right. And so it's, it, it's been. It's been sad, but it again it shows the delicate system we have and and what we don't have. and as a mom, I am tired of the stories of just breastfeed because that is not it's not easy. it's not always feasible and I'm tired of that. I was tired of it when I had when I, my kids were babies and you get the pressure um, especially when you're a working mom and so you know all those groups, I'm just saying stop judging, let moms do it and moms need to do so um yeah, i but, think
1: most of the people that are making those arrangements uh, are biologically incapable of breastfeeding yeah
0: Bring i mean that it's, it's, it's really tough but that's uh, to, to be for that to be the primary way of feeding a kid yeah and in other words i'm and, saying
1: who's saying that dudes are saying that dudes yeah, well know. women
0: are saying that too i've had really oh yeah there's oh when after i gave birth the wow, first person okay. i saw was was a person who wanted to to which is great i'm Fine, you know, if you want to do it, but for a lot of women, it is not feasible. Or Man. it's we can't do it full time or whatever. So I I've yeah. So just sort of come on,
1: people stand up for your sisters. We're just
0: feeding our kids. Okay. Feed your kids how you need to feed your kids. Yeah. But uh, my kid is graduating. See, it's been 18 years since I've had to deal with this. But so we're having like a graduation issue for uh, the opinion section almost. So we have uh two op-eds from the valedictorian of Rogers, uh, Rogers, Will Rogers College High School. And she's fascinating. She, uh, gave her a short speech in English and Spanish, and she is the first in her family to go to college. So a little, and she, she graduated high school with 64 college credit hours. So she is, she is going to be, you know, outstanding. And we have an op-ed from her, which is basically her speech. And then the uh, the KIPP school, the charter school, the Tulsa KIPP school, um, they have their first graduating class. And so the, the valedictorian oh. writes about what it's like to be the first graduating class and the first valedictorian. So uh, that that's cool coming up. And then we also have TCC president Lee Goodson writing a letter to the class of the TCC class of 2022. And I didn't realize that that class, because it's typically a two-year program for an associates. The pandemic hit two years ago, so they've spent their first two years of college, you know, earning earning their associate's degree while dealing with all these pandemic-related issues. can I so, even imagine. I know. I didn't even think about that. And and I I wrote a story about a, a, t, a family from TCC. There were ten kids nine of whom, one just graduated high school, but of the other nine, they've all attended TCC and several of them went on. And so they grew up in poverty and they saw education as a way out. And so it was sort of a, um, just sort of an inspiring story of of how we can find different paths to to improve ourselves. So it's, it's one of those things. And and I'm writing a, a little bit, if I can get it done, about what it's like to see my son graduate, because even though my experience being a parent is like millions of others, ever, all of us feel sort of this unique experience. I mean, my son is a typical kid, but man, when you you think 18 years and I find, I mean, he's in this cap and gown and I have pulled him to the finish line. He is a laid back kid who works at his own pace. And, and then, you, you know, they're all just so different, but, I got but my, there's lots of I got advice to... going out. To to, to to graduates. So Bob Doucette, you're speaking to graduates. What's your advice to
1: a um, high school graduate? My advice to high school graduate? Mm-hmm. Um, enjoy that moment. Uh, your work is just getting started, but that's the coolest part is once you get past that, the whole world is opening up to you. Also, on your graduation day, do not do what I did, that is, screwing around with friends, basically all day, showing up at the house with, you know, not a lot of time to get ready and, you know, spend time with your parents and all that stuff before you actually go to the graduation, because you will make your parents mad if
0: you yes, do that. Yes, yes, we've, I've already, we've I had did the that. discussion. We, we've, we've, my son and I have had the discussion of the expectations of this weekend, but the, yeah, um, my, yeah well, I, you know, my high school that. graduation was uh I remember just we had a you know family party afterwards and all of that but there are um my advice of course I give lots of advice my son and kids ignore but for other people who who might listen to me um I would say show up for stuff like for your life you're an adult whether it's class whether it's yeah. your job show up don't blow stuff off or at least make a call, be in contact. If you have to miss a class, contact your professor. If you have to miss work, contact your boss. But there are so many people who just, they just don't show up, show up. And then the other advice, call your mother, call your dad, whoever raised you, call them because there is something about you spend this whole, you know, two decades, whatever, raising a kid. And then they just sort of leave. And you're like, that's it. I don't wait. What happened? You know, so it's a, it's an adjustment and, you know, just let me know what you're doing. Just, just make a call. Text. Just text. Yeah. Or just text. Make something. So, um,
1: and make that a lifelong habit.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, you know, this weekend we've had this week and it's ramping up this weekend. In addition to all the graduations going on, we have the PGA happening. It's a big deal. Mm. There's a lot of, I don't, I'm not a golfer. But I appreciate that we have the PGA here. I don't appreciate the traffic that I'm experiencing because I live around that area but uh, you know you talked about where people last week where people should go in Tulsa, that kind of thing and mm-hmm. the uh, we have an op-ed this weekend from an architect with Todd and he, he writes an interesting piece about what our buildings in the city mean. So when you go into a city, And he's not talking about just the the beauty of architecture, which we certainly have. He's talking about things like we have invested in really nice buildings and facilities at the day center, which are for homeless people. Mm -hmm. Um, We invested in quality of life things like the the gathering place, the Bob Dylan center that we have and what these mean to a city that we're philanthropic, that we have the social, um, expect, you know, social concerns. We have and I thought that was interesting. And I thought it tied in a little bit with what you were talking about. Where do we yeah. take people? And did you have anyone since last week say, hey, here's where I, something that was unusual that you think that you didn't think of about where to take people? Gosh, who are, I who don't know,
1: unusual, but I had some really good suggestions. You know, people had talked about um, the botanical gardens, mm, um, the, uh, the Sherwin Museum of Jewish Art. That's a good,
0: that they have a really one, good Holocaust exhibit yeah, museum
1: there. Yeah, and they had some, uh, I had somebody email me specifically about that saying, you know, we got the type of uh, recognition that, you know, you just don't, most museums just don't get a type, right. type of accreditation or something like that. So that's, and that's a place I need to go see myself. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people were talking about Route 66 kind of things. Um and you know a lot of
0: I didn't think about the Mother mother Road market being a place and of course
1: praying hands
0: that was what I said I said all
1: the fun stories that go with that
0: (laughs) whether they're I don't know whether they're true or not but people who've never seen it they're like that I've never seen that
1: it really is a real thing they're huge so really cool ideas like that you know somebody suggested the Art Deco tour downtown uh the underground tunnels to do that little tour and that kind of stuff. Um you know it's people gave me a lot of really cool suggestions that would be neat. And you know, some of those are stuff you got to pay for, some of them are free. Um but all of them were really good. Um and I think what's what's neat about that is everyone has their own kind of view of the town. Mm-hmm and what, and how they would like to show it off to a newcomer and stuff like that. I know some of mine, or at least one of mine was a little odd, (laughs) very specific to a certain (laughs) type of person. Yours
0: yours included climbing up a hill.
1: Yeah, running up a standpipe hill. It's
0: climbing up the hill at, remind me of what, at the-
1: uh, Standpipe hill. Standpipe hill,
0: but not to drive. I mean, I want to tell people, you can drive to it. You don't have to be like Bob and start at the bottom. But and you, like can't, you can't
1: get the view without at least walking to the well, top can, of the hill. Yes, you
0: can walk. But you're you're like an extreme sport guy. You're like, why would you drive 10 miles when you can just jog it? No, you can drive it. You can do that. <laughs> so I'm just telling people, you can drive up to a certain distance to get close to Stan hill But it is a very good view. I mean, it is one of those that. and yeah, it, it's and, cool. As you mentioned, it also is not far from the Black Wall Street.
1: Yeah, it's all right. Area, in so you can
0: tie those in together and really get a good sense of of yep. that that history. So uh, I always take people down to that area. to Black Wall Street. to yeah. Greenwood, and then we go into the Arts District because um, it's you know it's accessible, it's easy, and it, and it has a lot of history, and a lot of people are interested in that too. So
1: Vernon A M um, E Church is like if you if you have to make it quick. And you can't like spend a lot of time looking around or you know going into the different type of buildings you go to Vernon AME church they got the big mm-hmm. sign that's at the corner there you read both sides of that it really encapsulates all of that and it is cool because you can do a quick walking tour you know just find yourself a place to park go to go walk up Greenwood through those the businesses and the buildings that are right by the ballpark visit Vernon AME check it out and there's that, that uh, pathway of hope mm-hmm. that goes behind that the ballpark. That is ball cool.
0: Park. I finally went through that because you walk on yeah. the backside back of the drillers and yeah. uh, some really good fo- photographs and history. I mean, it was...
1: It's, it's it cool. And then that, that connects you to uh, Reconciliation Park, uh-huh. um, which I have thought about as sort of our version of the Oklahoma City National Memorial. Uh, it's not as big or anything like that, but it is a it is a moving place. It's a beautiful space, and as you do the 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 guided the self guided walk and everything like that, and read about you know a deeper history of of Greenwood, it's it's a cool thing. And you know it's free. You could spend maybe an hour doing that, uh, and then just enjoy the rest of your time downtown. But you can learn a lot about uh, pre crucial. History point in our city.
0: Well, it's going to be a nice weekend. It'll be a little rainy Saturday, so graduations are being moved inside probably. But, but it's going to be nice. And check out those places. And we will be back next week. Any last yes, words about?
1: Um, <clears throat> if you're hoping to hang out on the uh, river parks this weekend on Sunday. Think again because a big chunk of it's going to be for Iron Man. So that's another oh, thing we got going on. That is on this nice weekend to know. Is Iron Man.
0: We are moving into a season where you'll randomly find parts of the city like shut down in the mornings because, oh, there's this run or that run or this. So,
1: well, yeah. I mean, after yeah. Iron Man, we got like two, two or three more weeks and then it's Tulsa tough.
0: Exactly. So those are cool events. Just be aware there's a lot yep. of detours. So, all cheer, right. The,
1: cheer the people on too. They need it, man. That's a, that's, <laughs> Two miles of swimming and like 114 or 117 miles of biking, and then they got to run a marathon. They need your encouragement. Please, Go them on.
0: I don't need to ride 160 miles on a bike, I got a car, you know.
1: But think how long it takes you to drive.
0: I know, so why would I do it on a bike? Miles on a... <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why would... I mean, you know. I'm just saying it's a different mentality than what I have at the moment. Maybe one day I'll grow into that mentality.
1: Like why climb Mount Everest? Because it's there. That's the mentality. Exactly.
0: You know what? You can fly over it, I think. I don't know. You can still get, you know.
1: You can't fly over it. True.
0: All right. Well, till next week. We'll see everybody then. Thank you. you.